Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Popcorn and Compliance, a podcast where, with Jay Rosen, we take a look at movies from the compliance perspective. But before we get to our podcast, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You Would you like to explore some compliance topic? Well, I have founded the Compliance Podcast Network, and I'm looking for new podcasters. If you've wondered how you might start a podcast, please listen to our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this podcast, Jay and I take a look at the recently released Captain Marvel. In spite of the fact that many online trolls attempted to uh, destroy the reputation of the movie before it came out because of its alleged feminist message, it's been a huge hit. So we take a look at online trolling, what you can do to protect yourself, and of course, lessons from the compliance perspective. Popcorn and Compliance is an offering of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, back with Jay Rosen, Mr. Monitors, for another episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the podcast where we take a look at movies and see what compliance lessons we may draw from them. Today, you're in for a real treat because we have the recently recently released Captain Marvel. Uh, First of all, Jay, welcome. Thanks, Tom. Um, Always good to be here to talk popcorn and compliance with you. And uh, as you said, we're both really excited about Captain Marvel. It premiered last Thursday, March 8th, which in a marketing stroke of marketing genius from the Walt Disney Company happened to be International Women's Day. So to come up with a a uh, female-led comic book hero and release it then made a lot of smart business sense for them. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of the inside Hollywood and internet dirt, uh, there was a potential snag in the plan of the release of the movie because there were fanboy trolls who were going both on Rotten Tomatoes and YouTube and just going ahead and bashing the movie. And... uh, referring to it as an SJW nonsense, social justice warrior. Uh, the star of the movie, Brie Larson, has been pretty outspoken about diversity in terms of the people making the movies and also the people reviewing the movies. So um, there's a couple articles that I found where, unfortunately, it seems like these uh, fanboy white males feel threatened in the Marvel character universe that bringing in a strong woman like Captain Marvel could upset their position in the galaxy, which I just find absolutely absurd. But you've, uh, we've got so many people who are worried about global change and what's happening in our country that their position may longer be there. And I just want to assure all the, uh, white male fanboys out there that you will still have a place in the Marvel universe. The problem is, is that it might just be led by Captain Marvel. So, uh, the movie opened last week, uh, very well and is looking like it is going to come in anywhere on the low end between 750 and 775 million. And it might top a billion dollars and it would be one of the more successful 
origin stories from the Marvel character universe. So that's my little uh, spiel on what's happening with uh, the internet, the reaction to the movie. Tom, do you want to go into a brief synopsis before we start talking about the ethics and compliance lessons we can draw from it? So actually, Jay, I'd like to pick up on that point and go a little bit into the weeds, particularly around Rotten Tomatoes, because that is a source I think that many people look to um, to determine kind of the thumbs up or thumbs down on the um, on the film. And uh, prior to uh, uh, the up, uh, upcoming release or the prior to, uh, uh, I think, in January and February, there was a 79% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But as uh, just as the film was about to release, that rating approval had literally dropped to 28%. And um, so Rotten Tomatoes took a look into what was going on and really uh, determined that uh, the people uh, were doing just what you said, which was uh, trolling. And so they uh, changed the way that uh, they looked at and recorded what people were inputting into the site. And uh, by doing so, um, they were able to, to remove those Internet trolls uh, that uh, you uh, articulated are certainly afraid of uh, the, uh, the feminist nature of the movie, feminist nature of the uh, lead actress, and um, a non-white male leading a, a Marvel uh, movie. But um, I thought it was interesting that Rotten Tomatoes actually uh, uh, made a technological response to a note that these people had uh, had commented, yet were able to take out the uh, the online trolling portion and um, show that the movie had a positive review. The pre-reviews of the movie were most generally positive, uh, from literally A.O. Scott of the New York Times, Keith Turin writing in the Los Angeles Times. Uh, there were some middling reviews, but you kind of get those on pretty much every movie. Um, it, it's um, it's just a lot of fun. And when you have a movie that's just a lot of fun that uh, is well-produced, uh, you're going to tend to get generally positive reviews because it's, you know, hey, it's a comic book movie, guys. Um, there's, there's really not much more uh, to that. But uh, a great point, and, and I guess for – I'm going to tie this in at the end – for a lesson learned for the compliance practitioner, but I'm glad you started off with this because I think it's an important point uh, that we need to consider uh, and corporations need to consider as well. So, uh, Yeah, there's a little thing called plot that sometimes these comic book movies actually do um, a pretty good job of. So I wanted to see uh, your takeaways from the plot, and then we'll go into compliance lessons. So um, it starts off on the Cree home planet of Hala, and... Yonrog um, is, uh, or excuse me, Verz is the title character played by Brie Larson. She has uh, memory issues and uh, she's learning to become sort of a um, SAS, uh, Green Beret, Navy SEAL type strike force member uh, working for the supreme intelligence and artificial intelligence that uh, rules the Kree. Uh, and she's working very hard, both on her physical skills, but also her mental skills to keep her emotions in check. During a rescue mission to uh, rescue an undercover operative of the Kree against their arch enemies, the Skrulls, who are shapeshifters, uh, Verz is captured and taken aboard their vessel for torture. 
She manages to escape, crash lands in Los Angeles, uh, in one of the most uh, uh, spectacular kind of scenes, uh, really from a uh, uh, an egg and Hollywood insider perspective that we'll go into in a little bit later. She uh, gets to an Air Force base uh, looking for um, uh, Dr. Wendy Larson, who she recognized from her nightmares. She gets hooked up with her further fur former best friend, who is a woman named Carol Danvers, uh, a retired pilot, Air Force pilot who lives in um, uh, Louisiana. And they get with uh, uh, Nick Fury, uh, for those uh, who are from the Marvel Universe, will certainly uh, remember and recognize his name. Um, and then they uh, head back out to um, a super secret uh, Air Force base in uh, California, where she flew and indeed had crashed, which uh, most people thought she died. In this, uh, uh, returning to the crash site, uh, she gets her memory back. Uh, she has some couple of other adventures, uh, and the um, turns out uh, the Cree are the bad guys and the Skrulls are the good guys. She helps the Cree escape, uh, prevents massacre of, of more Crees, uh, and um, in a, a great, uh, not twist at the end, uh, but uh, uh, foreshadowing at the end. If you'll recall at the end of uh, Avengers uh, 1 Endgame, uh, Nick Fury uh, turned to dust while he hit some um, control panel he was holding. And that control panel was a 1990s era pager that sent a page to... Um, uh, Danvers, uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, and so at the end of the teaser plot, uh, foreshadowing, uh, she returns to earth, uh, as well. So, um, that's just a kind of a very rough summary. You want to talk about, uh, some of the brilliant, uh, eggs that were planted in this or other things that caught your eye? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just love that when she arrives in Los Angeles in 1990. And the way I read it was uh, a heavy tip of the cap to James Cameron and uh, the beginning of the first Terminator movie where Arnold shows up naked in a ball. And then after that, uh, uh, the, the guy that it, who's trying to take down the Terminator shows up. So I think there's a tip of the cap there. Some other things I picked up, um, as you noted initially when they – uh, refer to Captain uh, Marvel, they call her Vers, V-E-R-S. And what we see later on is when we look at her dog tags, her name was Danvers, so we know who she is. And when Nick Fury is getting ready to write up the protocol for um, a team of superheroes who will be able to fight and defend America and the world, he notices her that her nickname on the dog tag is the is Avenger. So we get a lot of information there. And this reminds me, I think you'll appreciate this because you are a Star Trek aficionado. If you recall in the first Star Trek movie, they called the uh, sentient um, uh, life force out there, they called it V'ger. And the reason they called it V'ger was because it was really a Voyager satellite that was sent out there but the OYA had faded out. So I think Vers reminded me of what they did with V'ger and Star Trek. So 
lots of great 1990 song. I think there was like a, a Joan Jett song in there. And she's just, uh, it's really great to see the gusto with which she kicks ass. And, uh, you know, Brie Larson is a, a pretty serious actor. And you can see that, you know, some of the people who are really successful in the Marvel character universe, you know, somebody like uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing um, Iron Man, you wouldn't initially think that those very serious actors would do well in a popcorn kind of movie. But I think they really bring gravitas to the role and they make it believable and make it very watchable. So those are my Easter eggs. Did you have any that you wanted to touch on, Tom? Yeah, I'm going to go even geekier here, which is the um, she crash lands on Earth. She lands in a blockbuster. Uh, so that's an homage <laughs> to an entire generation. But I even had to better, explain that to Millie and Michaela because they had no idea what a blockbuster was. <laughs> right. So the, um, but when she uh, stands up after having crash landed, she um, uh, sees the uh, uh, cutout for the uh, Cameron movie True Lies, and mm-hmm. she thinks that is a enemy soldier. So she blasts it to smithereens. And so that's yet another homage to Cameron. And interestingly enough, True Lies is the one of two Cameron movies that's never been converted uh, or upgraded to digital. And it's generally viewed as not one of his top ones. So um, uh, even uh, greater homage. Uh, Shall we get to uh, the uh, Top Gun references? And uh, I thought just a beautiful homage. Uh, There's a cat running throughout this movie that has quite an important role. And his name is Goose. Uh, so, uh, you know, my wife and I were punching each other when we, uh, showed that, uh, but, uh, my, probably my favorite was the Poncho's bar reference. I don't know if anybody in here knows who Poncho was or what Poncho's bar was. Well, Poncho was a real person and she was a very gruff woman who ran the only bar outside the Miramar, uh, secret air force base in the fifties. So all the pilots drank there. And um, if you've read Chuck Yeager's book or you read uh, All the Right Stuff, which had a fair amount about Chuck Yeager, uh, you know who Poncho is. So the original reference to Poncho's bar, I just absolutely loved uh, that as well. Um, You know, these kind of references are sprinkled throughout the movie. Um, The call signs, uh, clearly a a nod uh, towards Top Gun uh, as well. And... uh, really just a lot of fun for that reason for me. And uh, one other real nice touch was, um, you know, if you're a fan of the MCU, you notice that they usually start with uh, uh, a little, I guess, teaser into the movie. And then what happens is you see the Marvel logo. And as the letters come out, you see different, uh, you know, different and different heroes. And uh, what was really lovely with this is they had multiple scenes with Stan Lee, who, we all know he's recently passed away, and they really gave Stan uh, his due for what he did to create the Marvel Universe. So uh, I think that was really touching. I know a lot of people who almost a couple tears on that one. Um, I'd like to jump in, Tom, on three of the ethics and compliance takeaways that uh, I'd like to go with. And first of all, when you re-capsulated uh, the movie, you talked about how Danvers was kind of confused and she didn't know who she was. And she went back in 
down earth to kind of get her bearings and figure out was what was happening. And um, as we see in the movie, there is this um, fight between the two different uh, civilizations, the people, the scrolls and the Crees. And um, what Danvers had to do was get out of her own mind and go out into the world and really investigate. So I think my number one takeaway is if you are confused about the story that you're getting and it doesn't make any sense as a compliance officer, that is your cue to get out of the office, to go to the foreign company, to go on the shop floor and to start investigating because things that you may have been told or what you may believe may not be the actual thing in truth. And I think that's exactly what um, Danvers discovered when she got out there and she started to realize that the uh, scrolls were really her allies as opposed to the Crees. And, you know, the um, what, one other thing I'd like to just really talk about is Ben Mendelsohn, who's a uh, often overlooked uh, Australian actor. He played Talos, who is the sympathetic scroll, and he did a great job. Um, the second thing that you need to do is that um, you may have to take action to shift balance. And again, she was put in this situation where she had a mentor. She had a whole life that was told to her, and she didn't believe what that was. So by getting out of the office, uh, by getting onto the floor, by doing the research for herself, her own due diligence, she was able to take action to set the universe back into order and to put herself um, you know, in the right standing. And the last thing that I really talked about before was this was a, a classic battle between what she had been known, uh, what she had known, how she grew up, and this battle between her, her that she's getting pulled between Talos and Yon. Uh, how do you say his last name? Rong? Rogue? Yon Rogue? So anyhow, uh, again, you may have to put yourself in a position where you may not be popular, where you may be a whistleblower, where you may have to take on uh, the status quo. And I think in the uh, trajectory of a hero, which we talk about, which we usually talk about Joseph Campbell and how we learn, I thought the filmmakers did a really good uh, job of uh, telling an origin story and putting a character in uh, moral distress and her having to make ethical choices along the way to survive and do the right thing. That's well, really interesting, Jay. Um, so here are my three. And the first one, I think, is just a derivation of your last point, uh, which is you have to understand where you're from and to really know where you're going. And she, uh, I think in the corporate world, that really means you have to know the business. Uh, as a compliance officer, you have to understand how you do business. You talked about getting out of the ivory tower. That's certainly part of it, but it's knowing the processes. I did a uh, training course on uh, investigations yesterday, and I said, as a compliance professional, you have to know the business better than the business guys if you're sitting across the table interviewing them. Um, so uh, you have to understand where you're from really to know where you may be going and then to, uh, if you need to affect changes or remediate. Um, the second was, um, and I absolutely love Samuel L. Jackson anyway, 
But uh, he was just a completely irreverent Nick Fury, as he always is. Uh, but he was even more irreverent. But from him, I got, uh, what's your response to new risks? Uh, are you in a, uh, a business uh, situation that has presented uh, new risks or risks that you haven't even thought of? Uh, because pretty clearly, uh, the risk uh, to Earth uh, brought by the scrolls and the Cree uh, were not the risks that uh, either Shield was set up to uh, defend against, or that they were prepared to defend against. So, if a new risk shows up, uh, how are you going to uh, first of all find out about it? Then how are you going to assess it? And then how you're going to manage it? So, new risks, and then um, uh, and then let me just kind of uh, I thought this was worth its own separate. Point, although it's a subset of the prior uh, point, it's even after you identify the risk, you have to assess your risks. So, uh, and here I would like to use um, one of my other favorite eggs, which was uh, Goose the Cat. And Goose the Cat has a pretty important role, uh, as we find out uh, at the very end of the movie, but he also did one other thing. He, uh, he his clawing of Nick Fury led to an eye injury that led to Nick Fury losing his eye. So when you see him in modern day Marvel movies with a patch, uh, he lost that eye, not in combat or some other, you know, super secret, uh, agent activity, but literally because he was petting a cat and the cat reached out and scratched his eye, and he either let it get infected or somehow it got infected and he lost his eye. So um, what's the risk in petting a cat? Uh, it would appear to be low risk, but if it's sitting that close to your face and it has a very sharp set of claws, perhaps the risk level has increased. So uh, how do you assess your risks? And I thought that was a it was a good lesson for me to think about that uh, Nick Fury losing his eye because uh, I had never heard uh, that origin story uh, either, Jay. So um, yeah, uh, the uh, some of the roles I guess we didn't really talk about uh, all of the actors, but a huge shout out to Jude Law for Young Rog. Uh, the uh, mentor of Vers uh, before she turns on him. I thought he he did a really uh, great uh, performance. Uh, you mentioned Ben Mendelsohn, certainly Samuel L. Jackson as uh, Nick Fury. Uh, we got to see Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson. Uh, whether it's uh, any of the a couple of the um, Iron Man movies, uh, the Avenger movie, um, and certainly the TV show Agents of Shield. Uh, Clark Gregg has been around, but uh, I thought he had a really interesting uh, role as uh, Phil Coulson, and he and he did play a, a fairly critical uh, role presaging his uh, well-known intuition um, going forward. So uh, really good uh, acting, I thought, in this, particularly for a comic book movie, um, but a lot of fun, Jay. Yeah, I think, uh, I think people are going to know where we're going to come with the ratings, and uh, where I live now, we have something called the Studio Movie Grill. So it's one of those uh, kind of upper scale places where you go and they they bring you food while you watch the movie. So at the Studio Movie Grill in Simi Valley, 
if you get a large popcorn, they'll give you the refill at the same time. So I am going to give this movie, Captain Marvel, not one overflowing bucket of popcorn, but two, because I'm going to take the refill right now. So um, it's good to know that uh, Studio Movie Grill, which uh, developed or originated in the uh, hinterland of We Fly Over States, has finally made it to the prestigious West Coast. So uh, I've enjoyed many a movie there. Uh, Enjoy going forward. Uh, And if you're in a town that has one, I suggest you check it out because it's a great movie experience. Well, that's uh, that's interesting, Jay. I'm going to have to agree with you on this. Uh, with an overflowing bucket of popcorn, uh, because um, I haven't walked out of that too many movies out of the movie theater lately with a big smile on my face, uh, just because I enjoyed it so much. And I hope uh, our listeners have gotten the sense from listening to me of how much I enjoyed this movie. It was a ton of fun. Uh, one other thing I wanted to throw in, uh, you you really hit the Stan Lee homage. Great, Jay. But here's the thing that struck me uh, on the Stan Lee scene. They actually changed the music. Um, they changed. Uh, she was in an action sequence, and they had sort of heart-pounding, uh, dr- drum-driven, uh, speedy uh action uh, movie music background going and they changed it to clearly a much more classical tribute and i thought that was just a, a lovely touch um and i certainly noticed it but the stanley homage was great uh, you're absolutely right um there were there were i think a lot of people our age were we got to say goodbye and i wasn't uh it didn't surprise me to see him in there but I, I hadn't anticipated I would get to say goodbye in that way. Yeah, just uh, really well done. So um, I guess, as we said, you all know where Tom and I stand on Captain Marvel. Uh, we suggest you get out there and see it in a the big theater in a widescreen format with lots of sound and uh, just um be assured that I guess later next month, Captain Marvel will return and we will see what happens before, uh, or actually what happens either before or after Nick Fury hits that 1990s pagers to make the call for help. So uh, on behalf of Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist, and myself, Mr. Monitor, we'd like to thank you for joining us for Popcorn and Compliance. And today's movie was Captain Marvel. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, where Jay and I were joined by Lisa Fine, co-founder and co-host of Great Women in Compliance. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Jay at Jay Rosen at affiliatedmonitors.com. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you'll join us for our next episode of Popcorn and Compliance. Popcorn and Compliance is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.